Minimalists. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Ask the Minimalists number 45. I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together we're the Minimalists. Can yes. you believe it's been 45 years we've been doing this? <laughs> Here we are. Is that this... my joke every single Ask the Minimalists? Yeah, can we bleep that out or something? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he'll retire that after this episode. <laughs> We're in our brand new studio, sort of. Yeah, it's it's brand new. Yes. Uh, yes, brand new ish. Um, so this one's gonna yeah. be a little bit different for y'all. We have uh, we're gonna do a little behind the scenes. Now this is, this is just for the true fans. This is just for the VIPs. You've already seen part one of the studio tour. It was just this room, empty room. We brought in our old studio furniture. We're waiting for the custom furniture to be built and some new sound panels to be installed. It's gonna be a little while. In the meantime, what we're going to do is we're gonna set up some seamless paper backdrops. And it's kind of gonna be like wrapping paper. Like we're gonna have this giant gift yeah. behind us. Nice. But then you, you get a sneak peek into the gift before we wrap it. Yeah, we're gonna beautify it. You all are gonna love it. We can't wait for you to see it. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, speaking of well, true fans and VIPs, we just changed tiers recently, the pricing, and oh, it has yeah. been universally, I mean, everyone has been thankful for it. Oh, awesome. Because it's removed a lot of confusion. Before it was like, well, I don't know, are you going to do four or five podcast episodes? Do you charge me if you put a video out as well? Mm. And it was just so much confusion. Yeah. And now folks know it's like, well, it's either 10 20 or $40 if they want to be a patron. And we can release a thousand podcasts a month if we want to. Nice. And you don't get charged anymore for that. So thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter. We really appreciate it. We can't wait to share the rest of the space with you. You are the ones who are making this possible. So if you're listening to just the audio version of this, this would be the one where it probably makes sense to stop what you're doing, at least take a look at the behind the scenes of the studio space. This is the only time you're gonna see it like this. Mm. Completely unfinished. Yeah. We literally have sound panels from our old studio that are just leaning against the wall right now. <laughs> the walls haven't been painted their new color. We don't have the new custom desk. We don't have any of the things that we're going to have in this space. Although, we're gonna be able to use it now to start recording some podcasts. Let's just say that Josh's OCD is off the charts right now. <laughs> it was way worse two days ago. I, I know, we definitely cleaned it up a lot. We were in here putting together some, some things and organizing some stuff. In fact, we're gonna be talking a bit about organizing today. Mm -hmm and some of the problems with organizing. Yeah. I, I learned some weird lessons during this studio move hmm. that I didn't anticipate I would learn. Oh. I think some of the questions will maybe awesome. illuminate some of those. Oh, by the way, if you are a true fan or a VIP and you previously had the amount of money that you were spending capped, we have a few of you, not many, but a few of you who had the amount capped, would you please go into Patreon if you'd be willing to increase your pledge to what the normal amount is, because these tiers are capped at 1,000 people or 250 people, and so we want everyone to be able to, to pay the, the same price to get the same mm. rewards that we're providing everyone. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, before we get started, one other thing, and I wanted to open this up first, just for the true fans and for the VIPs. We're gonna open this up to everyone uh, on Patreon and eventually to our whole audience very soon. But here's what's going on. Well, actually two things. One is we're getting ready to film something new. Okay. And you just put a tweet out. Oh, yes. So this isn't just for patrons. This is for anyone mm -hmm. who, who wants to participate. Mm -hmm. If you are in the LA area or want to be in the LA area, 
in early June. Mm -hmm. We're filming something for Netflix. I can't explain all the details right now, but we're looking for, I think, 11 extras for this bar scene that yeah. we're doing yeah. as the minimalists. Mm -hmm. It's a little project that we're doing on digital minimalism. And if you want to participate, uh, just check out the tweet. It's on Ryan's Twitter. Yeah. At, at Ryan Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. And just respond to that tweet, and then I will get a hold of you, and you can be in our next film. Yes, indeed. Well, probably be in our next yeah, film. Yeah, probably. I'm sure we'll have a lot of people who want to be there. So we'll, <laughs> we'll extend that to you as well. But what I want to extend to you as a Patreon supporter is we're getting ready to bring on three interns for The Minimalists. We're going to do a sort of general studio intern to help out with welcoming guests in and, and, and sitting in on podcasts, etc. We're also going to do an audio video intern, and we're going to do a graphic design intern. Mm -hmm. All the details, I need to finish this today, so hopefully they'll all be up at theminimalists.com slash interns by the time this video reaches you. You can find all the details over there. I think that's enough preamble. All right, man. If you want to take a look at the studio space real quick, Jordan is sort of roving around here. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot to show off right now. Here's our old studio table. Mm. We've got our old studio lights. We have yeah. a blank ceiling. Mm. We have a Sean, a podcast Sean. <laughs> he came with the place. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh, check this out. This is new. Ryan just put this together. That is a TV stand, so we're mm. going to have a giant screen. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to use it for yet, but you're really going to enjoy the new setup, yeah. the new visuals for the podcast. I can't wait. Where I cannot we're, wait. Where we're standing right now, we're going to have a sort of uh, a much more professional desk. And if you have been on Patreon for a while, you saw the mood board that we shared with you all. Beulah, who is our talented set designer, she is helping out with um, with the whole litany of, of design elements for the space. We couldn't do it without her. So until then, we're sort of in the bare bones, extremely simple, aggressively simple, maybe a bit too simplistic space. Where's our vision board going to go, though? <laughs> uh, downstairs in the bathroom. Oh, perfect. Yeah, there's like a little cubicle that we oh, nice. put the vision board in. Nice. Bathroom cubicle. All right, we got some questions here. Let's go ahead and dive right. in. Sean, will you read Beth's question for us? Yeah, we've got uh, Beth asks, do either of you have a way to handle time management? Not obligations, but things you commit to and want to do, but seem to never have the time to do it all. Mm. Man, my first inclination is to say, uh, take on less commitments. Because mm. what, you're, what you're asking is, how, how can I, like right now I'm overcommitted. Mm -hmm. How can I free up time to not be overcommitted? And yeah. that seems like the wrong... Well, you know, I know we're, we're still working on this no right or wrong thing, but <laughs> no, it, I, I, it, it doesn't seem like the most efficient approach. Yeah, I get, I get the spirit of what you're saying. You're not saying it's morally wrong. Sure. You're simply saying that like, hey, the, the, well, another way to put it is sometimes the solution is the problem, right? I mm. wrote an essay about this, Beth. You can check it out. You can just go to theminimalists.com, search for the solution is the problem. Mm. And uh, I think quite often the problem is the doing, right? What can I do to do less? Well, no, no, no. Doing less isn't about the doing. It's about mm. the less part. Yeah. And, and I think we, too often we value, like, we value being busy. And I think that is often the problem. Mm. We really value, like, by the way, I still do it. Like, mm. I have to put my phone in another room because otherwise if I'm 
watching TV with Bex, I'll feel the urge to, I need to do more than what I'm doing right now. What is up with that, man? I it, hate that. I, I think I the same thing. Part of it is, is, is sort of the dopamine rush, but also it's the acculturation. We, we've, we've accepted it. There's other things we don't accept anymore. Smoking in public places. Yeah. If you were mm -hmm. to sit at a restaurant and you lit up a cigarette, mm -hmm. I would look at you like, oh my God, what is he doing? Mm -hmm. But if you're across from me and you pull out your phone, it's like, oh yeah, this is what everyone does. Right, this is what we do. Yeah. But 50 years ago, if you pulled out a cigarette, it would have been like, this is what everyone does. Where's the cell phone section? <laughs> right, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. Maybe we need like a, a, a no talking or no texting section mm. in restaurants. Yeah. And, but I, to get to best question directly, mm -hmm. yes, the problem, as Ryan alluded to, is not with the, well, there's really two quote unquote solutions. One is to, find more hours in the day. Mm -hmm. Now, there, there are a couple ways to do that. One is if there's some magical way to produce more than 24 hours, so that doesn't work. Uh, maybe it's to lose sleep. Mm. Don't want to do that necessarily, right? Yeah. Well, then it's to just figure out, oh, I've misprioritized so many things. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. Mm. How come that we used to have so much time and now we have so little time? Yeah. Even though we have the same amount of time. Yeah. It's we're filling it with nonsense. Yeah, I would... Uh Man, I almost want to encourage Beth to, when you're scheduling out everything, keep an hour or two free. Instead of like trying to schedule exactly every single minute, mm. allow yourself some free time. And then, if your schedule's working great, you can add more to your plate. It's okay to say no to people, too. Yeah, yeah. And understanding that you're saying no is not an indictment on them. No. It is protecting your well-being. Mm -hmm. And... and, and Yes, sometimes people will get offended because they have wild expectations that don't align with your well-being. Mm. That's not your problem, though. Yeah. It's yeah. not their problem either it, until they want to change you. Now, if someone says, well, now my happiness is contingent upon whether or not you do the thing I want you to do, mm. that's controlling. Yeah. That's not loving. No, it's not. We have another question here from Emily. Yeah, from Emily, we have, uh, what advice do you have for someone starting their minimalist journey in times of crisis? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're all dealing with some level of crisis during this pandemic, but specifically, for example, during a financial or family crisis or struggling with mental health. Mm. And she goes on to talk about like after a divorce, etc. cetera. Mm. And, and so here's what I'll say is we thought about the last year or so as a crisis. Yeah. We all have our own individual crises sure. happening all the time. This isn't the first crisis in your life, Ryan. No, 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 it's not. Uh, man, I, I, I would say if you're in the middle of like a divorce or a mental health issue, I mean, if it's like a real crisis, because I'm trying to like give a definition of what constitutes as a crisis. Mm -hmm. The pandemic, certainly a crisis, but there's a lot of normal functioning that, that's happening. Mm -hmm. So, but if you're if you're dealing with an emergency and an immediate crisis, um, you've got to take on that. Cri I mean, don't think about minimalism. Think about the help that you can get or give during this crisis mm -hmm. and address that. Um, but if you're trying to declutter your closet during a divorce, I don't know if, if those two <laughs> things are going to mix really well. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The, the, there's a line in everything that remains. Uh, it, you probably saw it in, in minimalism if you saw our first documentary. And the line is, but even while Rome is burning, there's somehow time for shopping at Ikea. Mm. And what I was trying to say there, because I was going through twin crises, right? Mm -hmm. I, my mom died, my marriage ending, 
and I'm moving into this new apartment and all of a sudden it's like, I find myself just consuming. Yeah. And so I think quite often what happens is we cover up crises with more crises, Ooh, with many crises. That's, that's a great little tidbit. Like you don't want to bring in bad habits mm-hmm. and bad behaviors mm-hmm. just to cover up the crisis. It's always, yeah. so it goes back to that previous question. The problem, we, we often think we can do our way out of a crisis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When it's almost always about understanding, stepping back, because in realizing the world is already right. Yeah. yeah, the world is already is how it is. Not morally mm-hmm. right, but it is already. You know, there, the the house that you moved into wasn't cluttered until you cluttered it. Mm. The crisis in your life wasn't a crisis until you had the crisis. Yeah. It has to do with the doing, and it's very difficult to do, to act our way out of a crisis. Now, mm. actions happen when we understand the crisis for what it is, but I think quite often many of the actions can make it far worse. The shopping at Ikea to uh, fill the void didn't do anything other than than extend the crisis for me. Yeah, that's a great point. One thing I'll add is just during any crisis for myself, uh, I go out of my way to find supportive people or go to the most supportive people and ask for help. And that help, it may be uh, a listening ear or helping you do something physically. Or in Josh's case, he'll ask me to leave him alone for a little bit. And, and that's, <laughs> that's okay. a type and, of help. And that's a type of help, me leaving him alone. So uh, I would say lean on a lot of the relationships you developed. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's always a, to have a support system in place is always a good thing during a crisis, for sure. And Ryan knows. I call him and just ask, like, hey, what's, I need your, your perspective. I'll often call him and say, hey, Ryan, what's your women's intuition on this? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and just because the what I'm trying to understand is is there something I'm not already seeing here? Mm-hmm. The truth is I might already see it, and then he's simply echoing my perspective. But deep down, I uh, there is something fundamental that I already know, and and quite often I just need some sort of validation yeah. to help me proceed. Yeah. Q8 has a question for us, Sean. All right. As a minimalist, have you ever dealt with public ridicule coming from close acquaintances? I'm facing this issue from family members despite how happy it's making me. It's negatively affecting me since it's my family. Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, have we ever dealt with that? Of course we have dealt a with lot. that. Uh, Don't had, call yourself the minimalists. You're right. That's mistake number one. Well, you know, I, re- I think about um, an ex-girlfriend I had mm-hmm. and her brother-in-law who like started you know, messing with us anonymously. Oh, yeah. And I found out who it was. Uh-huh. And I... He was basically just trolling us. Yeah. And I had a conversation with him. I'm like, man, if you have a problem, like, why are you bringing it to a public arena? Like, if we're friends, if we're close, and you really cared about this problem, then you, you would bring it to me. Mm-hmm. But because you're doing it in a public way, it shows me that you're just looking for attention. Mm. And... Uh, that's a very difficult conversation to have with someone, but I would have that conversation. Um, also, in the same vein, I wouldn't take it personally because, again, if they're bringing it to the public to shame you, to, to guilt you, to make you look bad, that's that's on them. That has nothing to do with you. That is them. Uh, they have a problem that they are projecting, and I wouldn't take it personally. Ultimately, block them. I mean, if your family is yeah. treating you like that, if your friends are treating you like that, 
You know, it doesn't matter if, if they've been a longtime friend or if you have the same blood, mm-hmm. if you were birthed out of the same vagina. <laughs> it, doesn't, right. it, doesn't, it doesn't give anyone permission to treat you like that. And you have every right to, uh, to, to love them from a distance. Um, I've had to block some family members that I've eventually unblocked because we've had some, we've had some uh, meaningful conversations. But ultimately what family wants to see, at least, you know... Uh, Good family. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say besides good. But a good family, what they're, what they're going to do is they're going to support you. They're going to love you. They want to see you happy. So as long as you are consistent and, and you, you are showing them that you are living a meaningful life, you're consistently living a meaningful life, eventually they will come around to support you. And if they don't, again, that's on them. They're just being a bad family member or a bad friend. Yeah, unloving, really. Yeah. You know, they're being unloving, and if they mm-hmm. and if they want to be a loving family member, well, mm-hmm. then it's not up to you. Now, let me let me say a few things here. I love the blocking as a literal term, but mm-hmm. also as a as a sort of metaphorical term, because mm-hmm. the guy you're talking about, he's no longer in your life. He's effectively blocked from your life. Right. You never followed him on t- Twitter or whatever, mm-hmm. and so you didn't block him on Twitter necessarily, but you blocked him in real life. Now, what yeah. does that mean? A block, here, here's a, a kinder way to say it, set a boundary, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes that boundary is no communication whatsoever. Yeah. I will say this, however, Q8, this bothers you because you have an expectation. Mm. That's the only reason it bothers Ooh. you. Yeah, you are expecting your friends and family to give you 100% support when you shouldn't have any expectations around that at all, really. Yeah, and, and so you want them to change mm. their behavior. Yeah. Now, of course, what do I always say? You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Wanting to change their behavior is also not a way to love someone. Mm. And so if you want them to... Here's this weird rule we set up, Ryan. I was just thinking about this when we were coming... I was uh, driving down to the studio today. Mm. Uh, If you love someone, but you also want to change them... Mm -hmm. But here's, here's the weird thing. We set up this rule in our head like, oh, I, I want you to change. And if you don't change, I'm going to punish myself with negative feelings until you do change. Mm, yeah. You're punishing yourself with those negative feelings. They don't mm-hmm. exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. They exist because your expectation says this person, sh- this person should behave in this way. Now, Ryan and I are going to do an episode in the not-too-distant future on shoulds. I've got this essay coming out this week, which you all can check out. It's called Off the Rack Self-Righteousness. Mm. And I think it really gets to the heart of this question. People with good intentions, good intentions, mm-hmm. they often think the world is one way. There's a correct way to live. You mm. should do this. You shouldn't do that. Mm. You should eat this. You shouldn't eat that. Mm-hmm. And, or whatever it is. We moralize everything. And in doing so, it puts us on a pedestal. Yeah. And so what the way to address that is not to say, well, they're saying I should do this, but really they should do this. That's simply fighting fire with fire, which yeah. in most cases just... Uh, increases the conflagration, right? Yeah. And so instead of that, it's about an understanding of there is no should. You're not supposed to do anything, Mm. but you can set those boundaries. And you don't have to, you don't have to live a life in which other people, other people's expectations are constantly being met because then you're, 
your contentment is never going to be met. Yeah. The one thing I want to throw out here too, because I feel like we're putting all this on the person who's doing the judging. Um, you got to put a little bit on yourself too. And what I mean by that is you have to make sure you're going out of your way to respect their boundaries. Mm-hmm. You're going out of your way to appreciate them. You're going out of your way to show them that you want them to be happy. And sometimes there's some conflicting interests there and that'll need to be worked out with some difficult conversations. But I know that there's something that, who is this? Q8. 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 I know there's something that you can do to show them that you do support them and that you love them. And that's really all, that's really all you can do. And again, do that without any expectations. Give without uh, expecting to, to, to be given something. But if you take it, if you take that approach, I mean, that's your best chance, I feel like. Monica has a question for us. Monica, what are your recipes for documenting and managing journals slash entries on your reflective thoughts, but in a simple, minimal way? I guess more simply, what has worked for you all to manage your knowledge in a minimal and organized way? Thank you. Hmm. I think knowledge is overrated Mm. significantly. And and, um, quite often we're trying to intellectualize our way toward happiness. it, It only leads to misery. And believe me, I know, as a person who has intellectualized his way out of a paper bag, um, it just kept me stuck in that paper bag, so to speak. And, and so, let's, let's step back. If I were to ask you, Ryan, how do you organize your neckties, what would you tell me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have neckties. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, the best way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. I have a necktie, mm-hmm. but I got rid of all the others. And mm-hmm. so it's very easy for me to quote unquote organize that necktie. Sure. As opposed to if I had, I used to have 70 neckties. You remember this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, it was much harder to organize all those. I had to have a system in, in place for it. Whereas, oh, wait a minute. My life was already organized when I was born into this world. Mm. I spent a long time disorganizing it. How? By systematizing it by heaping new things onto the pile. Mm. It's not about organizing. Organizing is the problem. The Marie Kondoization of America and of the world helps you organize. Yes, there's no doubt about that. But I don't want to simply organize. I want to simplify. Yeah. When I simplify my life, it means having the things that are essential, and then there's not a whole lot of organizing going into it. Mm. Although, I do want to say something. When we moved into this new studio, I realized, like, crap, I have to organize all this stuff. I came in here yesterday on a Saturday and started organizing the things. Mm. And then I, what I realized as I was moving some of the stuff around, I'm like, wait a minute. This space, before we rented it, had nothing in it. Mm-hmm. It was already perfectly organized. <laughs> All we did was clutter it up with our minimalist junk, and, and now it's disorganized. So the stuff isn't the problem. I am the problem. <laughs> it was perfectly organized and echoey. Very echoey. <laughs> uh, talk to me about what you do with your essays. Yeah. Um, I know you got a million essay, essay ideas. Yes. Uh, I mean, I can talk to, I'll speak for myself. I've got a note, literally, I, I'll think of like a, I don't know, something pithy, something profound, and then sometimes I look back and it's a, a faux fundity, it's not profound at all, but <laughs> I, I keep a note, literally, it's called essay ideas, I kind of jot down stuff there. I have uh, one journal, 
that I'd probably write in once every two to three weeks. I don't journal too often, although I really would like to start doing that every day. Um, and then, uh, you know, then you got your, you know, your Google Docs or whatever you use. But here's the thing is, I mean, if you, if you, wanna, if you want some tips on organizing, I can tell you what I do. I have three spots, hmm. journal, uh, Google Docs, and the notepad. That's it. So I have boundaries set up mm. for where I put my ideas. Where do you put your ideas? I just have a notepad on my awesome. phone. Yeah, I don't do any journaling. Mm-hmm. And there was a piece of me for a long time where I was just like you were. I wished I did this more. And I tried it a bunch of different ways. And I'll do the five bullet journal or whatever it is. And I'll do the, you know, the 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 daily inspiration journal and then the daily quotes and the rumination journal, whatever it was. And I realized like, oh, this isn't appropriate for me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy writing. But I don't care about the medium. Mm. I quite often, I mean, I wrote half of my first novel on a Blackberry. Yeah. And, and so the medium doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the actual... The consistency, man. The writing. Yeah. 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 And, and the, the pure sort of devotion. Mm-hmm. The joy I get from the devotion to that craft. Yeah. And it's never about the having written. It's about the actual writing. Yeah. Yeah. What do we got next? We have another question here from Shelly. Shelly asks, what have you found the most challenging aspect of working with your family? I think of you more like family than best friends. Mm. Sure. I, I think of us that way as well. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I wonder why you would assume there are challenges. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's Isn't that funny? That's like a cultural thing. Yeah. The first thing I thought of was, like, I'm very laid back. Uh-huh. Uh, Josh is very... Anal retentive. <laughs> I was going to say focus. <laughs> so, you know, Josh will take something and run with it. Uh-huh. And he loves doing that. Yeah. And uh, I'm very laid back. So I let him run with whatever he wants to run with. And then if there's something that I see is, I don't know, morally wrong, which mm-hmm. I can't even think one time that's happened, then I would speak up. Or if I have a perspective or a preference, I'll speak up. But I think ultimately it's, uh, we give each other as much space as possible Mm. and we allow ourselves to be ourselves as much as possible. And when we do that, it's, it creates, uh, it creates, or it doesn't create a whole lot of friction. I think the only challenge that I ever have with us is, is my expectations. (laughs) Yeah. And by the way, I love how you're putting all this on yourself because this is a very important lesson for anyone watching this. Well, and this is with with organizing, are... with 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 expectations. I mean, it's it does come down to what are we holding? Right. Well, I mean, it's Kapil Gupta says all conflict is self conflict, mm. and it's hard to imagine, especially. And we got a question coming up here where we can we can even apply it to that when there's a true conflict with someone else. Mm. But but here's the thing about about my expectations and about our relationship. It's not just you and I, it's my relationship with anyone else. It's always moderated by my expectations. Mm. What is moderated? My happiness. Mm. Your happiness is moderated by your expectations. Always, 100% of the time, Mm. your happiness is moderated by expectations. Yeah. We have a question from Rand. Wait, hold on. Sean and Jordan, have you ever seen us have a problem with each other to that extent? I, I mean, I can't think. I mean, yeah, Sean's eyes got real big. I can't think of anything. You know what? Actually, that's another lesson, too. Even if there has been a problem, I can't even think of it because we don't hold account. And that's another it's, thing. It's, you talk it out. You figure it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Sean. 
<laughs> I was just having fun with you there. Oh, okay. Uh, this one's from Rand. Which habit or trait of the other minimalist drives the other one up the wall? As a hypothetical example, biting your nails. So, Josh, mm-hmm. what do you think? Actually, no, it doesn't say that. It says finger licking. Oh, finger licking. <laughs> well, no. I was going to say, it's I'm actually... just trying to be seductive. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember either of you ever finger licking, but I know somebody that might bite their nails. Yeah. Yeah. You, no, I, yes, there's a million things that Josh does that bothers me and Jordan and Sean and the people walking down the street, but that's a me problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, Mariah, uh, every once in a while, like she'll be like, am I annoying you right now? And I'm like, no, I'm annoyed with myself. Yes. <laughs> like. It's it's all on me. So, uh, yeah, you want to talk about specific traits? That's kind of silly because there are a million things that bother me. I'm not going to name anything specific. Well, I brought a list here, Ryan. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Let's work it out. But no, seriously, like it's it's something that if you have a friend or family member that you're hanging out with on a regular basis, or even people at work, allow them the space they need to do what they need to do. Like that's the best thing you could do. Trying to change someone and say. Hey, stop doing this. Stop doing that. It's annoying me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to build a very strong relationship. There are some preferences that you know you might want to bring to light. Um, yeah, you can and, always and talk about what your preferences yeah, of are. Course, yeah. You can express your preferences without needing to change the other person. In fact, Ryan knows I don't like when he picks his, his nails. <laughs> but I actually had to apologize to him for that recently because we were on tour. I, if there was one thing that ever almost like broke up the minimalists... <laughs> It was because Ryan c- couldn't stop picking his nails, and it was driving me insane. But the, <laughs> the, the, the problem with that is, is me. And, and it's not that he's wrong. For, you shouldn't pick your nails right now. I'm moralizing it, and yeah. that's all I was doing. I really need to start getting manicures, though. Because my nails do look really good, but it's because I'm constantly... <laughs> well, except for that one, you smashed in a door. Oh, I know, I smashed it in a car door. Yikes. Yeah. Anyway. Well, got one more question here from Melissa. All right. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on codependent relationships and ending cycles of abuse. Ooh, that's a heavy question to end on here. Um, Ooh, so yeah. this is what when I when I said earlier, all all conflict is self conflict. Mm. I, I didn't mean that other people can't harm you. If someone's abusing you, mm-hmm. they don't deserve your company. They don't deserve to be in your presence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that it is morally wrong to harm another human being yes and and, and but that's where it ends for mm-hmm. me uh, everything beyond that the 99.9 well, that's generally not what we're talking about when it's you should do this you shouldn't do that mm-hmm. so you should run three miles in the morning okay whatever <laughs> um but if you're directly harming someone if, mm-hmm. if someone's directly harming you mm-hmm. then yes it's all about creating distance from them yeah and, and because just like if you were in an actual physical altercation at a ran you know you're at in line at in and out burger and all of a sudden someone tries to fight you the best thing to do is create as much distance as you can from that person to protect yourself yeah wasn't well, that the perfect metaphor for someone who's acting in a toxic or abusive way yeah 100 um man it's that is such a uh like you said a very tough question to end it on because how do you get someone to stop feeling attached to someone that's abusive and they're in this cycle of attachment being abused attachment being abused man that's that's rough the one thing i the one thing i know for sure that has helped me with codependency is i have really um started living up to my own 
uh, uh, I want to say expectations, but it's not expectations, it's values. Yeah, and standards. And standards, yeah, exactly, yes. So I live up to my values and my standards. And there are always things I need to work on, don't get me wrong. But when I look in the mirror, by and large, literally large, <laughs> I love myself. Like, I really do like who I am. And that has helped me to not rely on other people to make me feel whole. Yes. So if you're relying on someone else to feel whole, that is something that, yes, uh, you've got to work on finding a way to love yourself more. If the person you're relying on is abusing you, you've, you've got to get out. You've got to find a way to create that distance. Attachment is suffering. Yeah. And that, you know, that's been a really difficult lesson for, for me and Bex in, in the last year or so as we've really been exploring this, this idea of attachment being suffering. And realizing that even in a supposedly you know, outstanding relationship, which mm -hmm. it truly is, mm -hmm. to need it actually makes it less rewarding. Yeah. When, when you need that person, you need that thing, you need that experience, you need that outcome, you need that trophy, whatever it is, that thing that you need, mm -hmm. it makes you miserable when you don't get it. And then it makes you miserable when you do get it because you, now you need to maintain it. You need to take care of it. You need to retain it. You need to hold on to it. You can be in a relationship without being attached to it. Yeah. You can enjoy the other person without being devastated by the lack of their presence. Yeah. What a great place to end it. Yeah. Patrons, thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to the new studio. Sorry for the slight echo, but we'll see you soon with a bit less echo. Take care, y'all. Goodbye. 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 Minimalists. <laughs>